Let's turn our attention to scriptures. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We are currently on a series of study called The Pursuit of God, and today is going to be the last sermon in that series. And as we look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it talks about the priorities, talks about what we really need to focus on. So let's read that passage. I will read it for you, and then we will all read it together. Amen. Are you ready? Matthew 6.33 But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Amen. What does the scripture say? Let's all read it together. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Jesus in his talk on the Sermon on the Mount, if you have ever read the passage starting from Matthew chapter 5, one of the spectacular passages of the Bible. You know, every verse in the Sermon on the Mount is a gem that you can study for one month. You can take one verse and spend one month on it. It is such filled with so much of rich practical advices to live life. And Jesus in that Sermon on the Mount talks about one of the greatest priorities that we need to have in life. The priority is this, that we have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And Jesus is speaking in the context of worrying about life, worrying about life, being anxious about your needs. If you look at the human condition, it is always easy for us to worry about something. Even if we know we can do it, we will always still worry about it and then do it. Amen. Like we know somehow we can do this, we can get this done, but still there will be some sort of worry, some sort of anxiety in our hearts. It's so common for human beings like us to fall into worries and anxieties of this world. So everything that we do, even if you're writing an exam, preparing for exam, there's always a worry. Even if you can do well, there is a worry that you may not make it. There's a worry that you may fail or something bad will happen to you. For those of us who are working in a job, there's always this worry that what if something goes wrong or what if I lose it? For those of us who are running families, there's always this worry that what if something goes wrong? What if something goes wrong? Recently, I was traveling to Weinard and uh, so I was calling this guy uh, who's, who owns the homestay there and I asked him, is it raining there? He said, sir, no, sir, you come, sir, don't worry, sir. <laughs> because to me, my worry is I have to keep my child keep my wife safe. I have to make sure that they reach and come back. You know, it's not just about going. So many times what, what was happening is even before I was prepared, even, even before I was going there, my mind was filled with worries. So much so that I was not enjoying my vacation. Rather, I was thinking, you know, how can I keep my wife and children safe? So there's always a worry that plagues the human heart. There's always an anxiety that takes us over. And Jesus gives us a solution to that. He says, this is what your priority of life should be. That is, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that you worry about, all these things that you cribble about sometimes, all these things that you're anxious about will be given to you. If you can do just one thing, prioritize God and his kingdom. But it's not so easy to do that. Amen. It's easy to talk about, do not worry. And the moment you step out, said you'll have something to worry. <laughs> See, Jesus is giving a comparison here. Matthew 6, 28. Can we turn to that passage? Can somebody read that? Matthew 6, 28. Why do you worry about clothes? Yes. 
Isn't that amazing? You look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And Jesus gives this comparison. It's like an amazing comparison. He says, yet I say to you that even Solomon, how many of you know Solomon? Amen. Thank God that you know. <laughs> even Solomon in all of his wealth, all of his splendor, all of his glory was not dressed like one of these. Verse 30 says like this, so if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Jesus said, look at the lilies, look at how they grow. If God can take care of them, he can also take care of you. See, there is something we have to understand. God will never fail to take care of us. The young lions may grow hungry. And they may lack food. But those who wait on the Lord, what does the scripture say? Will never lack any good thing. God never fails to protect us, never fails to take care of us. But it is our human tendency to always fall into a place of worry and anxiety. It is simply because somewhere along the line, our priorities are not set straight. Can I say this again? We fall into worries and anxiety not because God cannot protect us. He's always doing that. We fall into worries and anxieties because somewhere our priorities have changed. And that is why Jesus gives the solution. He's saying, here's the solution you have to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything that you need will be added to you. If you want to combat worries and anxiety in your life, let me put it this way. Seek God first. If you want to overcome the worries and anxieties that are pulling you down, pursue God every single day. The way to overcome worries and the cares of this life is by pursuing God. I can tell you that. If you want to live a life in freedom, you have to pursue God first. Put God in everything. Put him as the first person of your life and then by doing so you will be able to live a worry free life. Worry free life. Some of you might wonder is worry free life truly possible? Yes it is possible if our priorities are set straight. Amen. I remember before coming to the Lord I was battling depression. I was battling heavy depression and many of you youngsters know what it is loneliness, anger or hatred towards one another, a feeling of inferiority complex. I had everything possible. I tried to run out of home two times. I tried to cut myself. I, I was, I, in my anger, I would punch on walls. I would do extreme things. And I tell you, today when I look back, I honestly don't know what depression feels like. I'm not exaggerating. Today when I look back, I don't know what depression feels like. When, when people talk to me, I understand what they're saying, but I don't, don't you know, get that feeling anymore. Because I reached a point in my life where God said, if you do not surrender your life to me, it's going to, you're going to die soon. And so I surrendered my life to Jesus at that time and I started following him, pursuing after him. I would read the Bible because if I didn't read the Bible, I'd feel like somebody is going to kill me that night. I would, you know, I would pray in my room and somebody would be choking me. It's obviously the devil. I would be sleeping. I had insomnia. 
uh, sleep on the bed and somebody will be on my sitting on my chest choking my throat i would i would literally be you know frozen on my bed life was terrible life was terrible and there is one change i made in my life see i was a pastor's kid church was like the other place for me you may go to it on sunday but i was there every day that was my life uh, sermon i know when you when my, my dad takes the sermon when he starts the illustration i know which illustration is this i know how it's going to end i, I knew it all I, I knew the pastors, I knew the connection, everything was there, but nothing could not save me. It is pursuit of God that sets everything right in our life. That is why Jesus says, you know what, seek first the kingdom of God. Don't run after everything that you see is good for you. Don't run after those friends who promise you something good, but seek first the kingdom of God of God and his righteousness and then you will live a worry free life a life filled with real freedom real peace and real happiness you talk to our youngsters today talk to our young people today they are, they are constantly living in this world where oh is she judging me or is he judging me have you heard this term or oh, maybe i'm being judged maybe uh, you know she's not treating me well he's not treating me well people are constantly worried about how they are treated or how they are looked upon that is why people cannot bear if somebody talks negative about them. Why do we have to worry so much? We fall into such worries because somewhere in our life, our priorities are different. We don't see our life the same way. We are always worried about this person. We are living like a people pleaser than a God seeker. God wants to remind us through his word saying, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything that you look for, everything that you desire will be added to you. Some of you are at the crossroads of life. You know, you have to make decisions, wondering what to do next. Might be thinking about your marriage partner. And I can tell you this, seek first the kingdom of God. He will bring a man into your life. He'll bring a woman into your life that will delight you every morning. You'll wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I thank you that you've given me this man. It happens when you seek God first. I can tell you as a testimony, you know, yesterday I was having a, a dinner with my family and I looked at her and said, I'm so glad I married you. I told her this. This is a, a, one of the tips for marriage. <laughs> Once you get married, you have to say these statements out of your heart. Because see, a woman is very smart. She knows when it is uh, just a random statement or a statement to get something. I told her, I'm so glad I married you. So glad I married you. One of the biggest reasons is she, she loves eating and I love eating. And she knows what to eat and how to eat very well. And uh, I was tired yesterday and she suggested let's do this. And she ordered something for me and I was really happy. I, every time I ate it, I was like, God, I thank you for this woman who loves to eat. <laughs> these are, I tell you, you know, these are little joys of life. God even cares about that. Did you know? These are little things about life that sometimes you may wonder, oh, who cares about it? God cares about it. You are his child and he cares about your desires. And when you seek him first, he will bring the right thing into your life. He'll bring the right person into your life that you will delight in them every day. You'll wake up in the morning and be like, God, I thank you for this person. God, I thank you for the place you've given me. And it all begins with this one thing. Seek God and his kingdom. And then... You'll be able to live a life that pleases God and a life that is filled with freedom and peace. 
Amen. So I want to talk about two things. I want to break this verse down. Matthew 6, 33. I want to break this verse down and talk about the way to combat worries and anxieties in our life. The first way is this. Seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus lays down this very practical principle that we all need to apply in our lives every single day. We might have given our life to Christ. At one point we would have said, Lord, my life is for you and I surrender. But seeking first the kingdom of God, we have to understand it. That this is a decision that you reinforce every day. You make it once, but you reinforce it every day. Every day when you wake up and say, Lord, I want you. I want you. I want you. So Jesus is laying down this principle saying, seek first the kingdom of God. And we're going to explore what that means. What that means. Seek first the kingdom of God means this. That you have to, please write this down, that you have to recognize God as the authority over your life every day. It simply means that you have to recognize God as the authority over your life every day. As simple as that. What does it mean? Recognize God as the authority over your life. Every day when you wake up in the morning, this is a decision that you have to reinforce. You have to tell yourself over and over again that God, you are my king. You lead me today. When we make a decision to do something or when we are deciding to do something, we have to tell Lord, you help me make the right decision. Tell God that God, you are my master. You tell me what to do. You tell me how to live this life. You tell me what to do in the future. Because if we can recognize God as the authority of our life, I tell you there will be no room for worries. There will be no room for anxiety if God is the ruler of our life. Some of you might look at your future and you might be feeling weak and hopeless because your future seems weak to you. But if you can recognize God as the authority over your life, your heart will be filled with peace and joy that everything is going to be alright. This is a very practical principle, it's a very simple one. Many times God is doing His work, He is always doing that. He is seated on the throne, He is God. But do we recognize Him as the authority of our life is the question. We have to recognize Him as the authority of our life every single day. If we can do that, that is what Jesus is saying, if you can seek the kingdom of God, Everything else that you worry about will be added to you. Which means there will be no room for worries and no room for anxieties in your heart. No room for anxiety in your heart. So the biggest priority and the first thing that we have to do is recognize God as the authority of our life. Amen. Are you with me? I started uh, preaching regularly about three years ago. And I remember at least the, the first year of preaching, every time I would get to the service... Uh, before I get to uh, the stage and start leading the service, there was this anxiety and worry in my heart. What if I don't preach well? What if people don't show up next Sunday because the preaching was bad this Sunday? These were real you know, thoughts running through my heart and, and these thoughts used to weigh so heavily on my heart that every time when I used to come to church on a Sunday or conduct Bible studies on Wednesdays, it will be so heavy that I, you know, I'll be literally, I'll say, I'll say, don't talk to me. I'll talk to me after the service. No conversation with me before because I was so much into that that it, it, was, it was like a stress for me. 
It was like a heavy burden on me. But later I started realizing that what I'm doing is not about me. You, you see, all of us as God's children have to realize that if I'm doing this study, that if I'm studying, that if I'm working, we have to realize that it's not about me. It's not about what I can do. It's all about what God wants to do through me. And so I started realizing, you see, this church is not about me. Who is the ruler of the church? Who is the authority of the church? Not me. It is God. Who am I? I'm just a servant here. I'm just a worker here seeking what the Lord has to do. So when I, when I shifted that, you know, when, I ch when it changed, the burden became very light. Even today I would just get on stage. I would do it carefully, but then I won't have that burden in my heart that's, you know, pushing me down. Oh, people may not come next week. All the thoughts started to disappear because now... I see God as authority of my life and I'm more interested in speaking what he has to speak than what I have to speak. Do you get that? That's the way to live life, church. I tell you, that's the way to live life. We have to wake up every day in the morning and say, Lord, what is it that you want to do through me? Tell me and I will do it. Tell me that I will follow it. If we can recognize God as the leader and authority of our life, I tell you, we will live a worry-free life. No wonder psalmist says like this in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not lack anything good. Look at what he's saying there. He's saying the Lord is my master. The Lord is the one who leads me. And because he leads me, I don't lack anything good. If we can recognize God as authority of our life, I tell you, we will live a worry-free life. If we can pursue him every single day, we will live our life with freedom and peace in our hearts. Statistics say that in the US alone, about 18% of the population is living in chronic anxiety, chronic worry. In India, it's about, uh, about six crores or even more uh, amount of people who are living in chronic anxiety, chronic worry. This is like a severe case of worry and anxiety. We're living in a world where people are stressed about, you know, what is going to happen tomorrow? How is my life going to be? Am I, will I be able to get a seat that I desire? Will I be able to get a good partner for marriage? I was talking to somebody, they said, you know, to get a good guy is very difficult. And if you talk to guys, they will say, to get a good girl is very difficult, bro, it's very difficult. <laughs> so people are living with this worry and anxiety how their future is going to be. But God says, don't do all that. Don't live in anxiety. Don't think about what you will not get. Rather focus on one thing. Pursue me. Recognize me as the authority of your life. Because when you recognize me as the authority of your life, everything that you desire for will be granted to you. Amen. Amen. Can, we hear, can I hear a loud amen? Amen. Let me share this as another testimony. Uh, last Tuesday I was in church. And um, I had a really beautiful week uh, this, this past week that just went by. Um, Monday is my off day. Uh, Monday is my off day and I was, I was at home just praying and waiting on the Lord. And Tuesday I came to church and, uh, and I felt I have to buy some equipments for the team. And I, was, I went out to this shop that I know and I was there talking to him. And uh, he was cribbing about how his business is dull and how he's not doing well and I, I know him quite well uh, but not very well I just know him because we bought some equipments from him um, <clears throat> so I was just talking to him talking and uh, I spent a long time talking and then finally I was about to leave and then I asked him uh, do you have a new PS 
I'm looking to, I'm thinking of buying one. He said, I have one. He said, what is your requirement? I told him my requirement. He said, okay, this will do well. And I asked him how much. He said, 17,000. I was like, okay. And, uh, and I thought to myself, okay. I told him this. See, I don't have money like now. I don't have anything to give you. But I'll pay you in the next two months. September and October, I'll pay you half half. He was like, he looked at me and he said, okay, pay something now. Just pay something, little amount, take it. I said, I don't have anything now. Uh, he said, okay, take 15 days time. You pay something this month and remaining, whatever is remaining, you pay in September and October. And within a couple of minutes of our conversation, the deal was done. He said, okay, take the equipment. I was thinking to myself about how God works. This man doesn't know me personally. He doesn't know where I live. He gave me an equipment worth close to 20,000 rupees without a post-dated check, no interest, even without collecting all my you know, <laughs> details. I tell you, God works in ways that you can't imagine. More than anything, you know, the, the interesting thing to me was that um, the moment I brought this UPS, it's here right now, the moment I brought this UPS to church and I installed it, from that day onwards, we had a bunch of power issues. From that day onwards, we had power issues one after the other. Voltage drops, power fluctuations, uh, generator issues. So many problems started after that. I was just going back and realizing, what if I had missed God's guidance on Tuesday? What if I had missed God's guidance on Tuesday? Some of the expensive electronics that we have would be damaged. But God guides just at the right time. It all begins with this one thing. You have to recognize him as the authority. You have to say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do today? Tell me what you want me to do today and I will do it. When you do that, I tell you, God will take you to the right place at the right time. You may not even realize sometimes that you would be the last person to get that. But you will be there at the right time because you recognized God as the leader of your life. And that is what Jesus is teaching here, that there is no reason to worry about life, no reason to be worried and be filled with anxiety about life. Rather do this one thing, seek God first, seek his kingdom first. And when you seek his kingdom, everything that you desire will be added unto you. I want to tell you this, see when you recognize God as the authority of your life, he makes sure nothing will fail. When you recognize God as authority of your life, he will make sure that nothing will fail. When you, when you recognize God as the authority of your life, he makes sure that your needs are met. Amen. Can I share one more testimony? Uh, I, I joined SIACS. I'm doing my postgraduate degree there. And uh, recently what happened, I filled up, did all my application process. Uh, I'm doing a master's in leadership. And... Uh, and I, I knew what fees I had to pay, so I saved up for it. I saved up for it, and, uh, and the time came, I read the email, and I realized I had to pay three times more than what I had actually saved up. I was like, oh my good Lord, what am I going to do? And I called this coordinator up, and I said, sir, this is the situation. I, I asked him, is it like this? Uh, basically, there was a miscommunication from their side, and or I misunderstood. Something happened, and they said, okay, uh, I can give you some time. How much time do you want? I said, Give me till the 15th of August. And I told him, I will pay you even before the 15th. He said, okay, fine, just send me an email. And on Monday, I was praying and I said, God, I want to pay this fees. I want you to take care of my needs. I want you to do this. I was just praying and by that night, my family came and told me that there is 
there is a person who would like to pay your fees, who would like to sponsor your uh, tuition fees. I was amazed. You see, when you seek God, He will make sure your needs are met. When you recognize Him as the authority over your life, whatever you need, whatever you're looking for, whatever you need, God knows it and He will provide. I, I often tell this that if, if God can send a raven for Elijah, He will send us a sparrow at least. We are not anything lesser than Elijah. We are also human beings like him. God is the one who will take care of the needs. If you recognize him as the authority of your life, I tell you, he will even split the Red Sea so that you can reach the destination. There is nothing that is impossible with God. And it all begins with our priorities. It all begins with recognizing God as the leader of our lives. If, if, if you look at verse 32, let's jump to that verse, the previous verse. Matthew 6.32, it says like this, For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. What does the Bible say? Heavenly Father knows that you need it. Even before you know your need, even before you know that you have a commitment, God knows it. And He's ready to provide. How, do you, how can you receive that? Recognize Him as the authority of your life. Recognize Him as the leader of your life. And that is what Jesus is saying. Seek first his kingdom. When God looks at your life, he knows exactly what you need. He knows, he knows where you should be in the next five years. He knows whom you should get married to. And you will find the right person. Find the right place if you can seek him. If you can seek him. Matthew chapter 6 verse 26 says like this. Look at the birds of the air for, the, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. It your heavenly father feeds them. Have you ever seen a restaurant for birds? Have you ever seen a bakery for birds? No. Birds don't get their food on demand. They cannot say, okay, I have five rupees here. Give me some food to eat. No. Who provides them? Heavenly Father. And, and, and the Bible says, are you not of more value than they? If the birds don't worry about their life, if they're not, if they're well fed, needs are met, Will not God feed our needs? Will not God feed our needs? We are the crown of His creation. He will take care of you more than any of His creations. We don't have to worry. All we have to do is just this one thing. Recognize God as the authority of your life. The biggest thing that the enemy often does to us that we may not realize is that he will make us focus inward. He will make, he'll tell you this. Okay, what do you have? What is your strength? What are your connections? Look at people around you. Maybe you can do something. Maybe you can achieve something that way. Every time a problem comes, we run to one person, to another person, hoping that they will help us. Everybody will fail. Everybody will fail. The enemy constantly makes us focus on our, on our own resources, on our own parents, on our people around us. But the Bible is teaching, think upwards. Look, at, look unto God and say, oh God, provide my needs. When you look into God and recognize Him as the leader of your life, I tell you, it will be easy for you to combat worries and anxieties in life. The way to put this in practice is simple. Wake up in the morning every single day, before you start your day, make this prayer saying, God, be the authority of my life. 
Every single day, you have to reinforce this word in your heart saying, Lord, you be the authority. You be the one who is leading me. Do this every single day and I can tell you that worries will start leaving your life. And you will experience a life filled with a hope and a great future. Amen. The first way to combat worries and anxiety is to seek his kingdom. Let's look at the second part of the verse. Let's learn one more point. Second part of the verse, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The second way to combat worry is that we have to seek his righteousness. We are given a clear command to seek his righteousness. Amen. And you may wonder what does that mean? It simply means this, desire divine holiness rather than fleshly indulgence. Please write this down. Desire divine holiness rather than fleshly indulgence. And for us as New Testament believers who have experienced the finished work of Jesus on the cross, there's another meaning for us that is we have to pursue his character. Become like him. Become like Jesus in the places that we live. So it means two things. Seek his righteousness means two things. Desire divine holiness and we have to pursue God's character, Jesus' character. That's what it means. You know, this is a very interesting thought because in that day, many of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were following their own self-righteousness. They, their self-righteousness was, was to another level. They would even reject their parents, their, their family to show themselves as righteous before a crowd. Turn with me to Matthew 23, 27. Matthew chapter 23 verse 27. Can somebody read that passage? Matthew 23 verse 27. You will read about the self-righteousness of the Pharisees here. Yes. This is what self-righteousness is. You look beautiful on the outside. People look at you, they'll be like, oh, I, I wish I could be spiritual like you. But you know who you are. Jesus says, you appear beautiful outwardly, but who are you on the inside? Somebody who's carrying dead bones with all uncleanness. The, the world was following righteousness. Jesus is saying, you know, seek God's righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, Jesus is telling us, seek desire, seek and desire divine holiness. Desire his character. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, we find this great exhortation. Uh, Philippians 4 8. If you're there, I would like to read that verse for you. Philippians 4 8. Jesus says like this, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. What is Paul's exhortation to the church at Philippi? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure, he's saying, set your mind on those things. Because, see, when you live in this world, there's always a tempta temptation to gossip. How many of you have never gossiped in your life? 
<laughs> There's always a temptation to talk about someone else, about their weakness and their faults. There's always a temptation to blame people for what has happened in our life. There is always a temptation to crib and complain about everything that's going on in our life. Rather, we have to set our mind on whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent. Instead, we have to spend our time thinking of all the positive things, whatever is godly, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is true, Paul says, set your mind on those things. Meditate on these things. This is a very practical advice that Paul is giving to a church. And you have to understand the church at Philippi was filled with worries. Because they were wondering, you know, what is the future going to be like? How are we going to live? Because life to them was uncertain because of the persecution. And in that midst, he's saying, I know there is trouble for you, but set your mind on whatever is good. Whatever is lovely, whatever is beautiful, whatever is praiseworthy, set your mind on those things. Colossians reminds us, they say, set your mind on things above. Set your mind on what? On things above. See, if you look at divine holiness, if you look at holiness as a subject, there is a kind of holiness that the world endorses. You might have heard of this. They'll say, drink but not too much. Drink just a little bit of the weekends. You smoke, but don't overdo it. You can never touch sin and escape. We have to understand that. We can never touch sin and escape. There's not like a race, you know, have you run those races where you just have to run, reach the end, touch that and escape. Have you ever done that? You've not played sports. I'm sure you're all studying. <laughs> there were races, you know, you just run to the, the other, other line, touch it and then run back. You can never do that with sin. The world endorses saying, okay, drink but not too much. Smoke but don't get addicted to it. The truth is you cannot live that way. That's the world standard of morality. But if you look at this verse, it says, seek his righteousness. The word his is given specifically there to mention that we have to seek God's standard of righteousness, God's standard of holiness. In other words, we have to seek holiness that is godly. The Bible reminds us, be holy just as God is holy. In other words, we have to look at what is God's standard of holiness. Now, talking about sin, the book of Habakkuk, I believe, says like this, that he, is, he has eyes that are too pure to look at evil. Think of that. God will not tolerate sin. His eyes are too pure to look on evil. That is God's standard of holiness. And what we have to become is that we have to desire that holiness. That when we look at sin, we should be filled with disgust. You know, I can't do this. I can't bear this. We have to have such thing in our heart. Never should we look at sin and think, okay, maybe I will sit here one day. Maybe I will try this one day. No, 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 no. The Bible says, seek his righteousness. Seek divine holiness. Godly standards of holiness as you live on earth. Godly standard of holiness. Second is this, desire his character. We have to desire to be like a Jesus in this world. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the ambassadors of Christ. Ever seen the ambassador car? God bless that car. It's a car that, <laughs> it's very powerful. If, like if, if any other car hits, the other car will get damaged. <laughs> I still see one ambassador in Mangalore every morning if you've ever been awake from five to seven. Uh, and if you go to Kankanadi Junction, you'll see this ambassador loaded with vegetables. It's like heavily loaded and this one man driving it. A very reliable vehicle. You know, you get an idea that we have to, as we represent Christ, we have to be a strong representative of Christ. 
people should look at us and say, hey, there's something I see different about you. Your character is different. There was this uh, one pastor who was traveling and he was, had to stay in a place where a Buddhist monk was staying. And this man was on a pursuit of God. He was trying to find who the real God is. And the pastor didn't know this. He met him, he spoke, and the pastor was doing his work. He was doing his work. A few days later, when the pastor was about to leave, this Buddhist monk came up to him and said, you know, pastor, I've been watching you. I've been noticing you. You have something that I don't have. You have this peace in your heart that is something that I don't even have. And I believe that your God is real and I hope I'll find him someday. And he left that place. We have to win people with the characters that we portray. As Christians, we have to be known as people who will not crib or complain. We have to be rather known as people of excellent moral value. Paul gives a very practical advice saying, set your mind on one thing. Praiseworthy, excellent, good, trustworthy, whatever is wonderful. Set your mind on those things. Many times we fail and fall because we are constantly setting our mind on things that are negative. Things that are negative. Jesus is teaching us saying, seek God's righteousness. Seek his standards of holiness. Seek his standards of living. When you live like that, you know what will happen to you? You live a life that is free of worries and anxiety. You live a life that is filled with freedom and peace. You live a life that is filled with a great hope for the future. When I often talk to young people, one of, one of the things that comes up is this, that I don't see a hope for my future. I don't see my future as anything great. I feel like I've lived my life. There's nothing more to it. That's what they say. But as we look at the scriptures, it says, Shift your priorities. Seek God first. Everything that you desire will be added unto you. You seek God first. Seek His righteousness. Future will be glorious. What you desire will be glorious. It will be granted unto you. And it all, you, you, you take all that I've spoken for so far and you sum it down, it will come down to one simple thing. Pursuit of God. It comes to one, just one simple thing, pursuit of God. You have to wake up every day in your life, no matter how much you have to study. No matter what work you have, you have to wake up every day and say, Lord, what is it that you want me, want me to speak today? What is it that you want me to do today? Seek His purpose. Seek His will for your life. And I can tell you, you will live a life that is filled with joy, that is unexplainable. Unexplainable. Matthew 6.33 Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, everything that you desire, will be added unto you. We worship a God who is the God of all possibilities. God brought Israel to go through the Red Sea. Did you know there was another route to go to, go to Canaan without crossing the Red Sea? They didn't have to cross the Red Sea. There was another route. But there was a route that God brought them to the Red Sea to demonstrate his power. Many times God will bring us to a situation like that. He will bring you to a crossroads of life and say, who do you choose? Do you choose me or do you choose your own self? And in that moment, you see, Moses is standing, praying unto the Lord. He touches the water with his rod. It splits. We serve a God like that. Whatever your needs are, whatever your demands are, whatever your desires are, he is able to provide. And it all begins with this one thing. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness.